Hey everybody, it is October 11th, 2016, and you are listening to The Machination Log with the movie crew in the house. Nicole. Here, here. Ryan. Spooky edition. This is, mm-hmm. uh, this is our, uh, conceptually spooky episode <laughs> we got going on today. Uh, we reviewed yet another movie. I believe this is our 26th one. Ryan, what did we review and why why oh why, why did we review it so i we if you if you didn't tune into the last podcast i got a line of shit for first off and addressing and 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 asking for us to do a horror themed october halloween type movie podcast a, uh, a genre that at least one of us basically hasn't seen anything in yes. and the other of which David, you still haven't seen anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was talking about me. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. You yeah. still haven't seen yeah, anything. Even, so no, we're, we're one deep into this horror movie thing, and you've yet to see a horror movie. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh, to see, yeah, to some extent. Okay. So, um, and then one person who hates the genre to my to my right. <laughs> I'm 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 working on it. I have you know an expert trying to you know show me what's decent around the genre. Someone who's lukewarm to the genre here on my right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I've I've been expanding. Excellent. Okay. Um. So I wanted to pick a movie uh, that first off was uh, introduced to, introduced the history of the genre to us, um, and then also at the same time I wanted to kind of honor um, one of the uh, the great film legends of comedy that passed away recently. So uh, I chose Young Frankenstein for us to watch, uh, and I chose it specifically because um, it's well for one thing it's directed by a guy named Mel Brooks, who is one of my favorite uh, comedic uh, filmmakers of all time, and the second thing is is that I think this this is his best movie. Uh, because it, I think, so faithfully kind of holds true to the spirit of these early horror movies uh, from Universal that you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, be like the early Universal, uh, like, classic Hollywood Your Frankensteins, era. your Draculas, yeah, your Bela Lugosi's, your Boris, Boris Karloff's, um, Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney and the Wolfman yeah. and things like that. So, all right, you have this, like, really staple of kind of, like, classic horror movies. Uh, the Mummy is all during this yeah, time period. Yeah, classic monster movies, Yes, really. monster movies, yeah. And so I wanted to kind of hearken back to that era while at the same time kind of breaching out and maybe having some fun. Because, uh, Nicole, you've been watching some of these older horror movies from Hollywood during this time period. And while they're good, they're sure as hell not great. I'll be honest with you. Well, it uh, it's a problem with the horror genre in general. Because horror movies tend to be lower budget and gimmicky. And that's always been a bit of a problem with them. So you don't necessarily get the best work. I mean, you do get maybe really good set design or you get really good, like costuming and makeup and mm-hmm. stuff but you don't always get like the best movie because there there tends to be a low budgetness about it that just prevents them from being great films okay well i mean i think what we could also start this conversation off would be i mean why don't you or uh, david and, and nicole i mean well, i mean what horror, what has been your past experience with horror movies why don't you seek them out uh, when was, I mean, have you ever seen a horror movie in the theater? Like um, the ones you, that I have seen have been good. I actually okay. watched. I saw The Exorcist in the theater. Yes, we did. Yeah, and I saw Jason Ten, which evidently changed the horror slasher movie genre. <laughs> the tenth Jason that's, finally did it. That's the first Jason movie I ever saw. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. Right. And, uh, and bang that nail enough and times. My, and my horror expert told me that that was a game changer for the slasher. And, uh, for the whole slasher genre, and, so and, I uh, figured that's enough. And where is Jason in the tenth movie? Finally, he is in motherfucking space. Oh, he's in space. Very good. Okay, uh, <laughs> but David, I mean, why? I mean, you're, for someone who says that you know, who's probably never seen a horror movie before, why is that the case? I I've mean, seen 
horror movies in passing. I've never, right. I don't know. It's entirely possible I've sat down and watched a horror movie before. But the only, the formats that are coming to mind are very, very short form things, YouTube style short, right. like oh, wow. between okay. one and seven minutes long. Okay. Which I have been told, though we couldn't get a consensus on a great horror movie, as Nicole alluded to before. <laughs> um, I hear a lot of good things about shorter forms because a horror movie's plot generally tends to be a little, a little secondary, if you will. Okay. Yeah. And the thing, uh, this ties into the, the last on writing we did where we got uh, Ben's mom on the podcast to discuss what I don't like about fiction in a more general sense, mm-hmm. I think can be applied here. Uh, the things I like about fiction are beautiful prose and well-written character arcs. Neither of which exist in almost any horror movie I've heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're missing two things that I'm just very much into. Um, the other thing is that as a video game-ist, um, the game that I keep coming back to uh, when I am thinking about horror is a game appropriate enough called Fear, mm-hmm. uh, which is not specifically a horror game. It's actually more of a first-person shooter with horror elements right. sort of... J- Almost inappropriately thrust in between certain sequences, mm-hmm. but there is something in in the same way that a lot of action, even if it's not quite as well choreographed, is better in video game form because you are actually the agent. Mm-hmm. Horror in a video game is much more effective mm-hmm. because you are forced to make the action happen, okay. and that that adds an entirely different now granted i don't like that in particular i'm actually sort of displacing my opinion of this right now because i've i've heard this from other people who like horror film and horror games who have told me this but in general i just don't like the the shock value okay. of that kind of stuff doesn't do it for me well and i think that right there's there's kind of been a big divide in horror movies as, especially if we, as we think of them in maybe their classic sense like we're going to hopefully get into here. But especially as horror movies have really kind of developed, especially since the late 1970s, yeah. um, where we talked before about uh, with, the, with our, when we did our Western uh, movie about how the initiation of violence into cinema in the late 60s, uh, and, and should, I should say violence you know, in, in its mainstream form in cinema in the late 1960s, uh, well, as Hollywood graf- kind of a graphic, graphic violence. violence, right? Yeah. Like these two things, like this is re- that really kind of changed the horror genre. Mm-hmm. It became less about suspense. It became and monsters, less, yeah, and, and, and monsters and and tension and 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 you know atmospherics. Uh, and, and it's not to say that they that those things went away in the late 1970s, but you can definitely see a more emphasis on violence and graphic violence as being. Right, the payoff for this. Yeah. Um, I mean, you get the kind of classic sense of what is what I'm getting at here, which is that you oftentimes in older movies, you know, see the monster, right? But then sometimes you get this sense where they will like tease the monster out to you, or the menacing sense that is kind of perpetrating the film's uh, MacGuffin-like, you know, drive towards the tension, um, and it gets replaced in a lot of these movies with graphic violence. And I mean, I mean, I, I certainly understand why people don't like horror films, right? And the, to reference your point here is, and what I'm what I'm trying to reach to is that the idea of like being passively scared, mm-hmm. right? The idea that you like go or like you like would enjoy the fact that if you like lived with someone who like jumped out in places at you in the middle of the night when you're like going to take a piss or something, you know, like nobody likes those people, you know, like that's not an enjoyable thing to have happen to you. And yet 
That's exactly the situation you are getting into when you like sit down in a theater to knowingly watch a horror movie. You know, like I'm I'm knowingly going into this situation to know that I'm going to feel the feel afraid in a very passive sense. And it does definitely take away the enjoyment or activity that you can have in participating in a horror game, right? Where there is this kind of a participation, right? There is a kind of teasing out and you have to kind of willingly say, you know, yes, I'll go into this, right? Yes, yeah. I'll move, I'll hit the W, I'm moving forward, right? You can't say don't go in there because you're the one yes, going exactly. in Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you get, and so I like that, I mean, I do like that contrast, and I do think that some good horror movies kind of play around with this. Like, we're going to watch, um, uh, for our next, I won't give it away now, but one of the films we might watch for, uh, for Nicole's pick, I think, does have this very cool sense of tension, and hinting out of this, and well, it plays that, and it plays that like don't go out, and yet kind of wanting to know what the fuck is going on, kind of sense. Well, that's the thing, and the tension. I mean, I'm not always into, uh, you know, being stressed out while watching things, you know. But I get the tension thing, and I can get how you you would be into it. But I feel like a lot of horror movies, they don't try so hard on the like invisible tear part, and you know, they they do more of just okay. How can what is the gnarliest way we can kill people in the next ninety minutes? Right. And I just, I just don't have the patience for stuff like that. Like newer stuff, like Final Destination. It's literally just ninety minutes of what is the most creatively bullshit, disgusting way that we can kill these six people right. in the next ninety minutes. That you'll you'll just be like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And then you're done. But that's not that's not like building any tension in me. It's just making me go, oh, like gross. <laughs> well, and and. <sighs> Like the, the, I find that, I mean, once again, you, you talked about the idea of shock and horror, and that's kind mm. of a key thing that kind of happens with this, which is that, you know, you are shocked, and what is usually meant by that, I think, especially in older films, which is surprise, yeah. right? The idea that this is somehow surprising to you, that it, you, it was unexpected, and then it's surprising. And, I mean, a lot of other films, you know, work on this kind of tension as well, right? You ha I mean, like, you know, detective films, action films, right? The idea of tension and surprise of of, you know, wanting someone to succeed and escape something, you know, or to achieve their goal, right? We, like, that's kind of like the normal... Hoping they don't fall off the side of a yeah, mountain or something the, like that. It's part of the pathos. It's yeah. part of, like, the enjoyment of the film is, like, engaging and wanting these characters to survive. But the odd thing is, is that, as, especially as horror movies have kind of moved into the modern era, right? The whole thing, what we tend to see now is that we actually don't want them to survive. No. Right? We want them to be killed. And that I and think we is, straight up expect them. Yes, exactly. Right. We're kind of like uh, like they've kind of like switched around to the idea that like we know nobody is going to get out, or at least the virginal type character <laughs> who's not black might definitely survive this film, right? But like, you know, like this is this is kind of what we we're kind of led to believe and expect going in. And to me, it does cheapen the experience, right? It definitely does kind of take away and uh, away from the, the tension going into these things. But I still find myself going back. I still find myself wanting to see the latest horror movie that's getting good reviews. I still like, for example, like ghost films, even though I know that there's like some secret trauma in the house that's like needs to be resolved in a kind of like therapeutic monsterized kind of way. Like I get that's what they're about, but yet like I still like going in to see these things. Uh, I still like going in to experience them. Um, and I really think that horror requires a kind of willing suspension of disbelief that most people will kind of give into in a kind of normalized movie type way. I, it's just, but it's, 
there is just that core element to it, which is that, you know, why do people give in to fantasy? Like, why do people give in and suspend their disbelief to, like, superhero movies? Why are we so willing to kind of give up give up this sense of, like, I know this is bullshit, it's not real. In fact, I probably know how it's going to end. <laughs> and yet I'm still willing to go in and enjoy the ride. And I think you guys hit it right, which is that the ride on, on a lot of horror movies just isn't that good. Yeah, well, and this is a point that I wanted to make. I I may have misspoke uh, earlier. I may not have. You were talking about shock being pervasive through mm-hmm. so many other genres and surprise being an element of most plots, frankly. Mm-hmm. And the thing about horror that I don't, I, I just, I think I might not like, and this is, this is something that Tarantino movies frequently... Um, sort of get lauded with it's it's almost like a um it's it's it ends up being a compliment in a way that no one defines a tarantino movie by a genre it's just an indie film because Mm -hmm. it just combines so many other elements elements, horror movies feel very one note to me in a way that and the one note but the thing is they are very one note to a certain extent which is why it's hard to pinpoint a good one well and the problem is that the one note that they tend to have if it's not just back-to-back shockers which is anesthetizing over time is unpleasantness yep yeah and movies like the fly like there's nothing about that that i like I, that's just not something i See, like I it's like not Cro- even, i like cronenberg yeah. stuff <laughs> it's just like there's n- it's not even like a cringiness it's just i don't have any desire to watch this okay. like it's just not a thing i'm See, interested in See i feel that in. way about the stuff where they're just trying to brutally kill people i do like stuff like early cronenberg body horror which i we were very close to watching one of those films <laughs> um but i did it on my own time thank you uh-huh. um <laughs> i appreciate it yeah <laughs> So, I mean, I can get into some of the stuff, but I, I, I feel what you mean about them being singular noted, which is why I don't seek them out. But I do, you know, in the, I know we don't have any actual weather cues to know that it's fall, but I do every fall. I go and I do. I didn't out. sweat when I walked outside. <laughs> okay, it's getting better. Yeah. I put my pumpkin placemats out, so we're good. Yeah, there you go. Um, Make your own fall. In Florida, fall begins when you choose to. Yes. <laughs> when you choose it. And I always do to, you know, keep in that tradition. I'll always, pu- I pull out a couple of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back. Usually it's older stuff, not necessarily from the classic era, era which, mm-hmm. you know, Frankenstein is playing on our young friend. Frankenstein is playing on. But, you know, I I usually tend to stick with kind of like the 70s, 80s, like, you know, kind of like the height when a lot of this stuff was getting more mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll go back and watch a Halloween and, um, you know, I'll watch some Cronenberg stuff, which I did this week. and, Mm -hmm. and, And I will watch some of these films, but it's not something that I like sample from all year. I kind of just keep it seasonal. (laughs) Has has Nightmare Before Christmas entered back into that? I never actually liked that movie, and I really don't want to get into that story. Okay, that's fine. I didn't want to. I was just curious. Yeah. So I was kind of, like, thinking about, like, this idea that a lot of times horror movies... I mean, I think the the only other genre of film uh, that I think that this applies to would be something like children's movie movies, but, like, it's it's a genre that only gets compared to itself. Right. Like horror movies, like people like there's like a separate space in the rest of the cinema history. That's like horror movies are here, but like all horror movies that get made are only referenced and comparisoned to the actual like 
genre itself, right? They don't get like held up to the same kinds of standards that other films get held no, up to. You don't compare them with Academy Award winners. Yeah, well, I guess also pornography <laughs> could also be put there. It's its only it's its own category that's oh. like separate from the rest of like things we put on. And it essentially film is pornography to a certain extent. I would okay, I well, but, I, I would at least say there are a lot of parallels. Yeah. Um it's it's a lot of setup. Mm-hmm. It's it's you're setting up the pins to knock them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wasn't going to make that specific comparison if one of you wants to get into that. I was going to compare the fact that you coordinate off that way to uh, to video games again, right? Because video games, there's really like one uber genre in video games. It is the action adventure game. <laughs> this is everyone has stopped. We used to use genres back when games were a little more simplistic, and they sports and yeah. they yeah or sports. But no, even no, and that that sort of makes my point is that every major AAA game is an action adventure game in some sense, and it's just how open the world, how many doors you can open, interact with, mm-hmm. is basically the only differentiator between these games from a genre perspective. Unless you try to get into it. There's no vernacular to talk. There's no true vocabulary that's shared among everybody about what these games are called. But there are a couple of genres that are exactly like horror this way. There's platformers. Mm -hmm. And there are sports games. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't... No one compares a basketball video game to Call of Duty. It doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, that's just not how it works. And the same thing applies to a lot... Um, and even some other genres that used to be more specific have just been absorbed into the rest of the culture. Like mm-hmm. there used to just be straight up puzzle games. There almost are no puzzle games anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And the ones that are dedicated puzzle games feel like they were built to be like that instead of being just a game that happens to have a puzzle in it. Mm-hmm. Which again, like horror movies, a lot of movies, and this is the movie that I'm going to pick. So we actually, I think we have... Two in the chamber now for right, our excellent. next two picks. Okay. This is the still most. Have, we still have half the October month left. Yeah, I'm With, telling you, this is the furthest ahead of schedule I think we've ever been awesome. on. This. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. But my, I mean, my pick. I. It's not a horror movie specifically, but it's just it uses all of the elements of horror that I think are great mm-hmm. in the middle of an action movie mm-hmm. to such an extent that people weren't sure if they wanted to call it an action movie. Right. Okay. Um. They just they absorb what they need, and the rest of it falls into this malaise of unidentifiable stew. That's mm-hmm. just what they needed. It was it was the thing that they wanted, and they just put that out there. And they they weren't dedicated. There's like a craft to the horror movie in the same way. There's a craft to pornography, or there's a craft to oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's specific little um, you know the Tom Hanks movies of the world where mm-hmm. there's just there's he needs to behave in a certain way and if you deviate too far from that it's not one of those movies anymore right. i think that that when we kind of are like beginning to move into this discussion of horror films um oh we're we're in it well and, and, and using this specific example of young frankenstein which by the way is the movie we're reviewing yeah currently. We'll which we have not yeah. brought up we'll yet there. so i think that one of the main things that like horror movies tend to represent to me is a sense of the extremeness extremes within life and i don't well I know that, and I know that a lot of people who have maybe like experienced something horrifying in their life wouldn't fucking seek out a kind of like plastic experience of them in a fucking cinema that's been done poorly. You know, like I can absolutely understand why there is kind of like a revulsion to the sense of like, why the fuck would someone willingly want to kind of like put themselves through that? But not to like, you know, cheapen this thing or put too fine a point on it, but like, I don't think, I don't know why people reserve that particular criticism to horror movies in particular 
right? There are like a lot of movies where there are like harrowing experiences that people go through. But the idea that it has some sort of like, you know, unrealistic source behind it is then suddenly a way for people to like distance themselves and say, you know, this isn't something that I want to associate with or something I will willingly put myself through to understand. Right. But at the same time, you know, like we, we go through harrowing, harrowing and difficult emotional experiences through characters and films all the time. Mm -hmm. And we are more willingly kind of wanting to go into that and experience that with those people. And while I know that it has this exploitative sense to it in horror, and I think that this is all kind of tying into its particularly synthetic taste that it kind of leaves in our mouths that we know what we know this is trying to seduce us, right? We know this is going to try to, you know, bring us into this world and to really just scare us because it, you know, will be a loud sudden noise and a flash of light and we're going to be startled from this and the hairs on the back of our neck will go off. And that's the mission statement. And yes, and I think that once again, when you tend to find horror movies that I think are very, very good and approach the level of excellent film, uh, they reject that model very carefully. In fact, I think a lot of times what's very interesting is that they tend to, they bait you into that expectation and then don't deliver. And the reason that we don't tend to see them as horror films or that we don't really, I think, understand or hear them a lot is because people that like horror films hate those movies. Because they don't, they, they don't follow the mission statement. They don't follow through. This isn't right? what it's, I'm here for. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. pornography with no nudity. You know, yeah. you're like, this isn't what is going on here. You know, like, <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. And so, I mean, if, I'm gonna, if I have to defend horror, the horror genre, I mean, my favorite horror movie is The Shining. Right. By and large, I think it is the best horror film ever constructed. Because it's also done by one of the best filmmakers of all time, Stanley Kubrick. And that film scares me. In the middle of the day on regular commercial television, like with commercial, like that, See, movie, I will, don't, that I, movie will scare me anytime I watch it. It doesn't necessarily scare me, but I thoroughly enjoy it. Like as a movie, I think it's an excellent film. I, I think that what is so brilliant about this film is I, I would really like this idea of like, I wouldn't, I almost want to create like a separate category of horror and I don't want to call it horror films. I'd rather call it terror films because Terror as a kind of like deep embodied sense of dread that is both frightening and inescapable. That is a fucking excellent effect for films to have, right? I think that the, it relies on what film can do so well is construct the idea of terror in a setting and then at the same time not allow you to like re not release that tension from you. When we watched uh, Psycho, Right. It, you know, there are basically that film is about like five set pieces, all leading and, and designed to kind of create this sense of anticipation of tension, a certain sense of impending doom that we know this is happening to us. And while I know we get our our violence and our payoff within that film, that movie is not about the violence itself. The violence of that film is what, like 240 unconnected seconds in that <laughs> film. The rest of it is. Is that setup? Is that cultivation of that sense of dread? Is that cultivation of the terror in this film? And man, The Shining is almost all that, right? It is simply just this slow, meandering, disembodying feeling of terror that comes through this film and through that film. And I think that's one of the best things. And it's something that we see early on in these films as well, right? It is, I mean, when we try to get into this idea of terror, which is what I'm going to kind of try to frame this discussion as. Um, using a comedy movie uh, uh, <laughs> is that 
when we're looking at what horror is and what it was, what it was and how it's changed, um, this idea of terror, I think, is very, very powerful. And so I want to kind of begin to like go into this a little bit more. So can we kind of like jump into Young Frankenstein and, and I, I, see how we can build the elements of it? I want to throw one caveat yeah, into that, fine. which which fits flush with this this scheme all the same, is that uh, differentiating between terror and horror makes me think that this is really more that the issue... Uh, the issue with calling horror a genre is that it's not a hor- it's not a genre; it's a template, mm-hmm. and that we probably ought to just use a different word because horror does mean what you are trying to make terror mean. There, it's just that what we mean by horror is broken. But yet again, you're still separating out because you're looking for what is a good film within this genre. But the genre in itself is kind of like like uh, focused on a certain. I I don't know if mediocrity is the word like the particularly the right word but i guess like from an audience perspective like these people aren't looking for a masterfully crafted film like the shining well and again you know? they're looking for a template there's a mission yeah. statement and the i mean does the shining fit into the same template uh to, oh, fuck yeah and the thing is though is that oh, a normal uh, whore person though like wouldn't like it, it, like the shining's too much movie yeah, <laughs> that's 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 a great way to put it. I th- but I think I think really the main distinction, though, is that, right, a terror movie cultivates the sense. It's about cultivating that a horror movie wants to horrify you. Right. It's once that is horrifying. Right. The idea that it's 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 that it's about that spectacle or or the killing itself. Oh, okay. you know? Can like, I can I posit a new genre then? Yeah, fine. Yeah. The chop them up. There you no, that's that's the slasher film. Oh, there we go. It has its own which name, which we're going to okay. cover next week. Excellent. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, but like, but the problem is, and like I'm saying, is that in the modern sense, the 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 slasher, you know, the horrifyingness that happen that happens in films, right? I mean, if we're going to pop in like zombie movies and things like that, like zombie movies aren't about the slow cultivation of the zombie moving towards you, right? It's like, when is it going to pop out and eat somebody on screen, right? The horrifying act that we are all waiting to see and how that happens, right? Like, these these genres, I mean, all of the little mini genres in horror, you know, are about that sense of payoff, right? They're about the chase, they're about the the reveal, they're about the the slasher, they're about the the violence that we know is coming about from this. And there is so little in the cultivation of 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 that of the atmospherics of the story of of our connection to the characters and wanting to like care for them they really subdue a lot of that to replace it with the idea that like well if we can just horrify you in this we can make up for the fact that our template is flawed and i really probably don't know what i'm doing and we can kind of move on from here like i mean so i mean just to kind of point it to a fact i brought up zombie movies and i really bagged on them a little bit there but like if you watch the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers film, right? The, uh, which one? Donald Sutherland no, one no, or the fifties one? Are we talking classic black and white? No, the white? first George Romero, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, when you that's watch, a good. But yeah. we're talking, we're talking yet again, like an indie film from nineteen sixty-eight. But also one where it is about the it is about the fucking zombies moving closer, right? Mm-hmm. The sense of terror of an impen- of an impending thing that you cannot get away from. The tension of that film cultivates that to a much larger degree. Than almost any other, you know, of the of that genre. Right? I did, I think it was one of the best representations of that. Well, it genre. was the first one, and then everything else turns into a basically blood and gore story. Yes, like moving forward. So the th- funny thing is, David, is that I'm trying to say that, that like that within the, the, this this wide expansive notion of of horror that we're talking about, we do find that when you that you can have films that are kind of cultivating 
what I'm trying to describe. No, no, no. no. I, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing. I'm seeing the distinction you're trying to draw here. Yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to Wittgenstein this and see if there's already a word we have for these. The word that keeps coming to mind is thriller. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is that's this is an awesome music video, by the way. But <laughs> no, that's it's the close with zombies. Yeah, with zombies. Yeah. With zombies. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, thriller is not terror. Probably makes more sense than thriller does. But thriller in in just the general vocabulary is sort of a movie that has that kind of tension in mm-hmm. it. Even though that's not like a thrill. Absolutely. It's a bad use of that word. So all of this really has nothing to do <laughs> with the movie that we're about to discuss. Okay, yes. Because what we're about to discuss is an <laughs> homage to the old universal Hollywood monster films. But the movie itself, but Young Frankenstein in and of itself is not a horror movie. It's no. an homage to an early era of monster movie. Mm-hmm. And um I just want to say quickly, I think I had seen Young Frankenstein before. I don't know if I had sat and watched the entire thing before, right, okay. but this is this is an excellently crafted film. Yes, it, it is. It drags on maybe a little longer than it needs to. It is a Mel Brooks movie. Um, but it is it is a very well crafted. He did an excellent job of really capturing that old Hollywood monster movie mm-hmm. feel and the acting. Mm-hmm. was really good. Gene mm-hmm. Wilder was amazing. Yes. Um, which that alone probably separates it from horror movies in general. Was <laughs> that it was a very well-crafted film. It was a comedy and there was very good acting in yes, it. Yes, excellent. Yeah. All um, that all that it makes it not a com- absolutely. Yeah, absolute. well that's yeah. what I mean. I it, it, it's hard Three marks in the non-horror column it's, right it's now. It's hard <laughs> because we we spent all this time like trying to describe horror but the movie that we're talking about like all of its qualities don't necessarily have to do with the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, and it's not it's it's an homage in everything but aesthetics at that point. Yeah. I mean, Igor is terrifying for the one scene that he shows up in. And mm. then from there on, he's just a bug-eyed he's asshole, kind of, he's basically. He's kind of a creepy-looking dude in general. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, in reality, he is a creepy-looking dude. But the uh, but he's he's literally not one of his lines is serious from that point no, onward. No, no, yeah. Um, and that's that's everything becomes farcical the second it appears on screen. Like mm-hmm. you get you get the glimpse, you get the homage moment with the lightning or the you know Frau oh, Blucher. There is there is so much fog in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it is fucking comical. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's back up here for a second. Okay, All right. so the, I mean the film I mean the film opens up with a with a long zoom shot of the castle right of the castle yes, Frankenstein. And th- it looks like the exact same castle from Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. from uh, the Karloff era. It, but it is that classic you know spiry pointed top. Yeah, there's like a uh, big on long a mountain winding Transylvania, yes. yes. if you will. <laughs> so and th- so that's our shot, and, and then and it's comically slow. Like how how we pan into this. Yes. It must. It's like five minutes worth of of just panning closer to this. Well, castle. but much like old hor- like old Hollywood movies, the credits are at the beginning, yes. not at the end. Yes. So we get the whole like the whole film's credits at the beginning. Um, as we go into this, um, I mean, I, I guess we could kind of go through some like the the, the movie into kind of chunks here. So we'll just I'll just kind of like speed through them really quick. And if there's anything fun we want to mention, kind of go back to. Yeah. So. Um, we, there, there's a diary of um, Victor Frankenstein that gets taken by someone. It then gets delivered to the uh, grandson or whatever of uh, of that dead Frankenstein, the original heir. Frankenstein that you're familiar with. His <laughs> heir, yes, uh, played by Gene Hackman. He is, of course, apparently an accomplished 
surgeon, I guess, neuroscientist yeah. or something. Yeah, he's a, a doctor in quotation yes. marks of something. <laughs> he's giving a lecture and uh, he gets, uh, he, we see him uh, give this lecture and he gets delivered the book to him. Uh, and this interests him so much that he has to, of course, go and visit uh, his ancestral home. Uh, he gets picked up along the way. Um, he makes it to the house. Um, he meets all the assorted cast and characters that are within we this. We get introduced to his fiance. Yeah, and it's, so we... But in this here, I mean, what's what's horror-esque about it, shall I say, uh, is two major ideas or two major elements here. One, all horror, a lot of horror movies have this sense that we are going to be taken from what we could assume to be normalness, mm -hmm. right? Nor normality. And we are then transported or removed somewhere that is separate from our everyday reality, right? This is, you know, if you watch horror films, there usually be the sense that we are we are somewhere else, right? Unfamiliar. You're, you're traveling to a weird hotel off the side of the road. Yeah, exactly. You're in like a fucking foreign land, and someone drugs you and takes you to a torture chamber. Exactly. Yeah, you like, you've been removed from your normal situation, <laughs> and so we get, you know, we're transported to this world of Frankenstein's monster uh, in this in this era as well. Uh, the next thing that we see here is that um, that this film is particularly constructed to have the feel and look. Of these old Hollywood movies as well. Which and, it does very well, having mm -hmm. gone back and watched a few of the classic uh, Boris Karloff Frankensteins. Um, that's one thing I did notice is right down to some of the medical equipment, I think, are the same props. Mm -hmm. Like, this young Frankenstein really does capture the scenes and it frames the scenes and the shots, even though young Frankenstein's doing it satirically, it captures, like, the early movies. To a T, like mm -hmm. I said, same props, same looking castle. It's, it, it's it does a really good job homaging that early era. Well, and to and the other interesting thing I think about the horror genre, which is why I also enjoy it, is that one of the most important elements of the horror is the set, is the setting of the story. Right, I think it's it's very very key in a lot of horror films that where it is taking place is oftentimes. One of the main elements that drives the feel, the 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 point of the horror film as well. I've seen um, horror movies where the set is actually probably the best thing about the film. I mean, uh, look, fucking The Shining is the that fucking hotel is probably is like Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah, is it's a, a terrible. It's a, yeah. it's a terrible movie, but man, that set makes it worth watching. And it's and so <laughs> this thing about horror films about the setting, the place of it, where it's occurring, being very very important. Right, spending a lot of time well, and attention Bates to Motel, detail. Which yes, is exactly. One thing the we Bates covered Motel. already. Absolutely. Well, and it it fits into. I mean, to use the cheeky expression, the setting is the is another character, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's a character in a horror movie in a way it's not with a lot of other things. It's almost like a main character because, in a horror because film. the other characters interact with it mm -hmm. in a way that they don't in most other movies. Most of the time, the setting is just a backdrop for characters to interact with. Well, but like you it, actually go up to the door and you pull on the door in the horror film. Well, and like you said, and in horror movies. A lot of times, the characters are just going to get off, so they're not that important anyway. <laughs> but where they get off is just, yeah. But yes, where yes. they get off is more important. So, in, <laughs> so in that kind of opening sequence, there, so he's met all the main characters, and he's going home up, up to his bed now. The first night in the castle, right? It's about the first like what twenty minutes or so. Of yeah, the film. yeah. Right. So we're kind of there. Um, so you kind of mentioned um, it's not pronounced uh, Igor, by the way, um, and it's not pronounced uh, Frankenstein. Um, Victor's way of, of of separating himself from his family's past is he calls himself Frankenstein, and it's really one of the great scenes. And when we see Gene Hackman on camera for the first time, is that he's giving this lecture far Wilder. away. 
What's that? Wilder. Gene yeah, Wilder. Gene Wilder. I say, what I Hackman say. is in the Damn movie, it. but yes. he is Wrong blind Gene. and. Yeah, Gene Wilder. Um, we see him like being asked a question, and he's like Doctor Frankenstein, and we see him turn around really quickly, and he's like. It's pronounced Frankenstein, and like it's like one of the weirdest little introductions that <laughs> happens. Because in there's it. yeah, because there's there's obviously like you know a lot of shit went down with his past relatives. Yes. so he's trying to distance himself. Yeah, and I like I like that 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 subtly points out how important it is that his name be Frankenstein mm-hmm. because Frankenstein doesn't sound intimidating at all. No, it's really no, great. It sounds like a Jewish <laughs> yeah. doctor at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he has a particularly good interaction, um, you know, demonstrating this, this I don't know, something with the brain. And then um, he has a good rant that kind of like displays the fact that he might be, you know, might have that kind of passion in him of the Frankenstein passion. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, on his trip over, uh, you mentioned we meet his fiance who plays up later, uh, Madeline Kahn. Um, and she's hilarious in this film. I really, really love Madeline Kahn anyway. And she's just really really funny um she's like of money american loud but the joke about her not requ- re- uh, requiting his physical expression of, of love of, of love yes <laughs> that's a nice way to put it but that she like constantly is like like half recoiled by it you know and this really polite genteel way is very very funny um he makes it to wherever the fuck he is i don't know where he is he makes it to transylvania sort of i guess romania yeah. castle yeah sure and um he's at the bus station and he meets <laughs> He meets his assistant who comes to pick him up. It's not pronounced Igor, apparently. Uh, it's pronounced Igor. And um, we well, see... Well, because, because when, when Frankenstein Frank, yeah. corrects him, like, you know, Igor, you know, typical hunchback with mm-hmm. the beady eyes, he looks at him kind of like, oh, I can play that game too. So he gets all up in his face. He's like, oh. Yeah. It's Igor. Yeah, it's not pronounced Igor. It's Igor. Yeah. <laughs> and the character's... Uh, guy, the guy, is played by Marty Feldman, who has... Let's just say pronounced eyes. Uh, to, uh, naturally, a, anyway. He actually looks like that. He is yes. a creepy looking dude. Yes, that's not makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, but he get like, I, you know, it, it has this kind of like cheekiness to the whole thing. Um, and his and, and his character's kind of like knowing glance. I mean, he's he's the only character that breaks the fourth wall in the film as well, right? Looks at the looks yeah. at it is it seemingly in on the joke as we're kind of going through this. Uh, and the idea that, like, it's Igor that kind of, like, shepherds us through the story and the kind of, like, you know, the idea of, like, you know, like, this is fun, right? Yeah, like, we're having yeah. a good time, right? Like, Oh, um, he is full-on audience surrogate. Yes. And he is, I think, you know, once again, a very important point of the story overall. Um, there's some really great jokes with him later on. But um, anything else we wanted to kind of see or mention as we kind of head into the film as well? Like, the plot, I mean, what? kind of halfway secondary to a certain extent. Yeah, no, we're... We may as well move to the the second chunk. The uh, listen to me. I mean, we're not going to go through and like just tell all the jokes. The rise. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the tough thing. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, but then we go into the next major sequence, which is from here up through animation is probably the next. Okay. Yeah. The next block. And the the thing then becomes is that you know uh, Frankenstein has to um has to kind of like rediscover right his family's history right so he gets introduced. To the um uh, to the library, and he's like, "Where's my grandfather's personal library?" And she's like, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is the <laughs> library, and of course, we know there's something else to be to be finding here. And um, and then they hear music yeah. from some distant place, and this is great because um, I mean, like I said, we we talked about this movie drags out a little a little longer than it can. I mean, we hear this distant distant violin music, and there's just, I mean, we literally have to follow our cast down every single 
step mm-hmm. down every <laughs> single corridor, mm-hmm. down every fucking little side room. With lightning. Yes. That, you know, until we find, you know, a violin and a lit stogie. Mm-hmm. Nobody playing it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, but during that journey, we do discover the secret laboratory. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the secret library. Absolutely. And it, the, the whole film like plays on this once again, like the, uh, you mentioned the, you know, that the library is, uh, and the laboratory are lovingly reconstructed. I mean, they are like, oh, these are like yeah, big sets. So yeah. So my, uh, my horse horse told me that a lot of the props were original props Excellent. from the original universal Frankenstein awesome. movie. So, I mean, all, like things shooting electrical bolts and all that stuff you imagine, like it's, it's all here. They yes. did a great job of, of basically bringing all that cool scientific nonsense that doesn't actually do anything but looks really cool in a movie they mm-hmm. did a great job of bringing it all in mm-hmm. <laughs> they um so then of course uh, uh frankenstein finally gets his grandfather's notebook they've got to go through the notebook he that he realizes one this... of my favorite scenes in the whole yeah. movie, What's that? by the way when they reveal the name of the book yeah, yeah. it's just called how i did it <laughs> by victor frankenstein <laughs> oh god they um <laughs> Look, no joke's too obvious for Mel Brooks. I just want to make sure. We, yeah, no, Look, yeah, and that one that one works better than most, frankly. I lo- I love because the they he's like he comes down, looks at the table, picks up this book, and everyone looks at it, mm-hmm. and it's just it's in just this generic serifed font. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like no fancy language. It's literally how I did it. It's just the manual to the rest of the plot. So. Obviously, now that he knows that this thing might actually work, but for my God, it might actually work. He's got, he's got to, to do it himself. He's got to get, well, you got to get your parts, yeah. right? You got to get your material. So they got to get a body and there's just apparently a, you know, uh, a hanging, which still happens. It I guess. Happens, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, because I can't, I guess you can't use that brain. You need a new brain. And apparently there's a brain store in uh, Transylvania. Yeah. That was yeah. actually, um, that's very close to the original yep. Frankenstein movies that are they break into like somebody's classroom that's studying the brain and there's two brains there and the guy drops the one <laughs> with assistant. the normal brain, yeah. you know, cause Igor of course is having to do all this and brings back the abnormal brain. Yes. That's actually like a direct rip off yep. that scene. Um, you know, cause fresh brains are so easy to find in Petri dishes around academic campuses. Well, and I the guess. fact is that apparently they're still fresh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very fresh. Need fresh brains. It was Hans Delbruck's brain. Yeah. Who is, who by all accounts is like a military historian <laughs> from a completely anachronistic time period. Wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Well, then they said they get Abby someone's brain and they go and they prick it in. And so he begins to do it. And it's, I think it's one of the great sequences in this film of the reanimation of the body. Um, it's, so I've I've seen like several other Frankenstein movies in the past. I mean, like uh, like Frankenstein movies, but I've seen a lot of good Frankenstein movies, and this is always I think one of the best parts of these movies is the the reanimation sequence that they have. Right, there's always the there's body. always like a platform that needs to lift up 
into mm-hmm. the lightning and there's always a big storm going on. There's a lot of like lightning and flashes yep. and sparks flying from levels being pulled. Yep. It's always very dramatic. Well then, I mean, you know, even it's kind of like even satirized a little bit, like Rocky horror picture show where yeah. they have like the huge, like we're going to reanimate and create this body mm-hmm. and things like that. And, um, but it is a very fun and good and, and enjoyable scene. Um, for I think it looks really good. I was like going through cause you know, put these things up on my Facebook when I like find these shots that I really like in the films that we watch. And um, the one I almost settled on is when it's the first shot of him raised up in the platform and you've got the kind of like big, you know, like like beam mechanism yeah. that's going to reanimate the body. <laughs> and you see the body in front of uh, of Gene Wilder and he's like looking down at it and he's got these like these like you know goggles on like, that yeah, are, like the, shaded the and, he look, and his on. hair is all like you know like frazzled out it's fucking like a really really awesome shot and you know it you get this performance by uh by gene wilder that is really conveying the kind of like you know half madness that it would take to like want to try to do this and, you know, he's shouting down, you know, like, throw the first switch, throw the second switch, throw the third switch, not the third switch, throw it down there, you know, like, we will make this happen. And it's really, really great. Um, they, and of course, they end up reanimating the creature as it's er- now, uh, this, early on. Now, I didn't pick this up on, but other people in our group that we watched this did mm-hmm. pick this up on for, uh, you know, people that may not be familiar with maybe the 70s era. But the the monster is played by, I guess, Everybody Loves Raymond's Dad. Yes. Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle, yeah. <laughs> So that actually helped bridge some of the gap. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Also, not much makeup going on there. No, doesn't that, guy's, yeah. that guy's forehead structure is very weird. Mm-hmm. Good brow. Yeah. Yes, excellent monster Serious brow. brow. Excellent monster brow. So he... <laughs> oh, God. Not seven foot tall, though. I checked that. He's only six foot tall. No, two. you could tell he had big stilty boots on. Yep. Yeah. He was walking a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> so he... um. Yeah, I guess some shit happens with the monster. They, he ends up, of course, it's successful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. worked. Yeah, there's, there's some. Uh, he gets the the creature out. Creature tends to be seemingly innocent uh, until you get some fire around him, and he kind of like freaks yeah, out does, a little bit. Does not like fire. How many fucking times does this monster escape in this film? By the way, like it seems like he's escaping every fucking half scene. It seems. Oh like. yeah, yeah, no. Well, and every time, every time it requires essentially no effort on his part to get out of his chains. Yeah, just, yeah. just like, a nice grunt and a door knocked down, yeah. and you're fucking free to go. Yeah, baby. when when the when the crowds when the when the townspeople finally incarcerate him, the police officer has him in this insanely oh, yes. thick yeah. hackled oh, yeah. thing with chains all around him. And when he gets angry, he literally just kind of grabs the collar and just breaks it off and like shrugs. It takes yeah. longer to shrug the chains off. <laughs> it does for him to actually escape. Yeah, Ugh, so th- there's a lot of good um, scenes of angry townspeople mobbing. Yes, um, in this film, much like there was an M German townspeople yep. just getting very angry and mm-hmm. yeah, roaming the, the streets at night. The town rabble also introduces Inspector Kemp. Oh and he's, my he's a great God. character. Okay. So in the pantheon of Mel Brooks films, <laughs> this might be one of my top three favorite like characters in the, in his film as well. He, it is his introduction where he's lighting the cigar. Mm-hmm. I I'd have to think about it, but off the top of my head, it is my favorite practical joke scene yes. in a movie. The physical comedy aspect of it is it's, very good, and mm-hmm. it's it, it's not just a great idea. Whoever that I don't know who the actor was on that. I've, I've it's all, slipped my mind as well. Immaculate execution. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, and that's the funny thing about like, like even like horror genres, but also comedy is like the execution of the thing has to be really good. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but like in the '90s, this guy named Jim Carrey 
was like really popular <laughs> and like started a lot of movies. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, but like, because I, I watched The Mask recently, and man, the fucking the 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 physicality of of him in those performances is something that is like really really impressive and half the fun of him being like this like a living cartoon yeah right? and i know the mask kind of ex- ex- accentuates that for a lot well, of large a degree, example, but like even some like the pet detective a good, sees a that good horror movie example of that would be bruce campbell in evil dead one and two a yeah. lot of good physical comedy in a horror sense because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that movie's more comedy probably than horror movie even though yeah, absolutely. It's a horror movie base and i mean that plays into the fact that it is comedy yeah I, com- is comedy. comedy is uh i there are a lot of stand-up comedians around that yeah. uh can't get work because uh, they they have a story but they can't tell a story yeah. so you need you need both sides of it mm-hmm. for no, there's it to good work. presence by all the the um actors in this movie yeah and it's it's one of the strengths of like a mel brooks, a mel brooks comedy to kind of like take a genre and then you know like make it his own but then at the same time you know, he he kind of captures the essence of what's what's happening in it. Um, his his uh, Star Star Wars uh, send up is fucking great. Oh, Space, Spaceballs, Spaceballs that's Luke's favorite Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, that's a great that's a great film as well. <laughs> uh, it kind of like captures the essence of what's kind of going on in those films. Um, but this but one still has like jokes that are just so stupid you can't even believe he put them in there. Well, that one's probably <laughs> that one's probably like I would say like one of his one of the funniest films he's done. Like because it's really like. It's it's this Blazing Saddles and 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 Spaceballs, right? If you're looking at like your top like like Mel Brooks films, it's the the horror movie, top. the western, and the and the sci-fi that he kind of takes on within these. And once again, while this film is definitely not, I, I don't want to stand up for it being his funniest film. Um, it's, it's his best crafted. Film. Yeah, I think so. Like story wise, no, I mean, he, he shows that he can make a good movie. But once again, the reason is is that the the source material is so good. So. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of bored going through the st- or the story of this thing, but I want to kind of maybe. I think that that's why we're chunking it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like we, no, like... I mean it, it. It plays out essentially like your standard Frankenstein role. You know, he is, the monster escapes. They get him back. There's a little bit at the end. They don't make a bride of Frankenstein, but you know, there's a fun part where Frankenstein's uh, fiance comes to visit and she ends up hooking up with the monster mm-hmm. and kind of in turn becomes Frankenstein's bride. Yes. And that's a pretty funny little twist uh, on the sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are twists, but there are literally, there are literally <laughs> no surprises but, in yeah, this but movie. There's no, the movie doesn't go anywhere that a normal Frankenstein storyline would, would you know, go. Like it, it, it stays within the story parameters pretty straight up. You can guess exactly where it's going at all times. So, but in, in kind of like in the fact that like most people know about Frankenstein anyway, right? Like, well, why do why is this thing like so prevalent in our society, right? Like, why is why is why why can't we get away from Frankenstein? I mean, what is it about this? Is there something about the story itself? Is there something about like this sense of what it what it says? Uh, is there? I mean, why why Frankenstein? I mean, why not Dracula or something else? Uh, like because we beat Dracula to death. I mean, these but are this all seventy four. We haven't your... beaten Dracula to well, death yet. Well, and I was going to say, which angle do we want to play here? Because Frankenstein has his foot in two different camps here. There's right, the there's me. the monster side, right. which is where every generic you get. Wolfman for what's the yeah. Van Helsing? Just yeah. all of his enemies are mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, group. and that's the old Hollywood monster series. Yeah, that's the monster they had, stuff. They had Dracula, they had Frankenstein, they had Wolfman, they the, had the, the mummy. Like those yeah, were yeah, their yeah, yeah. those were their 
they're monsters. So yeah, that's creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're part of the generic set that has now been superseded by zombies, zombies. robots, mm-hmm. and ninjas and pirates. Yeah, um, but the um, <laughs> sometimes all in the same movie. It seems like oh, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. they all fit in the same movie. Sometimes they're all the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, and also, you know, Frankenstein, much like Dracula, I mean, these are books from older eras that okay. have had time to resonate in the culture and be revived over and over and over again. Well, and the, the reason why a book like Frankenstein exists today, where a lot of other, I assume other books in some vein like that didn't, was the, ang- the angle of Frankenstein that's not quite monstrous is the reanimation of life. It mm-hmm. is the scientism mm-hmm. in it is... Uh, it's it's proto sci-fi. It's yeah. what what rights does a recreated human have? What is like there are questions Frankenstein can bring up mm-hmm. that vampire stuff doesn't other than in sort of a kitschy, you know, when you, you can ask silly questions about vampires. Frankenstein is sort of like robots today right. where, you know, what right does a robot have? What is AI? What like, does what is, you know, like yeah, what do the people around like responsibility to like, you know, yeah, there, there are actual this. ethical questions yeah. that uh-huh. need to be brought up about it. And in that way, it's not quite a monster. It doesn't have the same feel of a monster movie that some of the other ones do. Mm-hmm. Werewolves don't get quite the same treatment. Right. Um, so They're I guess. also only around like once a month. That too. <laughs> but, <laughs> like you only have to deal with them like one night out of the month. <laughs> but, but so Frankenstein's appeal comes from both sides. I mean, we always would love to just, we were always looking for something that we can indiscriminately murder. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's a good social and, and, dynamic. And this movie deals, or I mean, that story deals with that too. It's like the mob mentality about mm-hmm. not understanding, about like not understanding the science. Well, and later versions of Frankenstein, like the Van Helsing versions mm-hmm. of Frankenstein, it is perfectly okay because it is just an abomination. But the um, <laughs> but then you can go on the other side right. where you you can have the slightly more sane discussion if you want to. Right. It's it's all there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the the. You know, you get these, like, kind of, like, you know, semi-hack readings of horror movies as being, like, these wider metaphors for, for eth- things in society. And, you know, I kind of, like, I kind of like that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we can, like, the idea of, like, vampirism of this, endure- this like, endearingness of love, the this, the, the destruction that of, of, of being in love, right? The idea that it, if you are compelled and passionate... Right, that that like feeds off of the other person to a certain extent, right? Or the you know the metaphor of blood draining on and on and devotion and across time and things like that, right? Like it has this like destructive sense of what extreme romanticism can be. The Wolfman, of course, well, Frankenstein is a romantic novel in both, the literal all, sense. Of, yes, and, you know, it's from the romantic period. Well, and they all kind of come, <laughs> the, the, the the Slavic origins of these things as well is kind of known as too. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they that they own these things, right? I mean, if you look at like. Uh, you know, lore from all around cultures and such. These elements are there. Um, you know, Wolfman kind of has this approach of like the primal inside all of us and yeah. what happens when that can't be controlled. Um, oh, they're it, very allegorical. Yeah, exa- exactly. Right. And, but Frankenstein has this, it's, it's just different. I mean, it is, it is, it's, it's something because what Frankenstein kind of has is this weird, like just, multi multifaceted approach to the to the con- concept right so for example like frankenstein in in this one and in earlier film in the first frankenstein film yeah. right he is stripped of his humanity 
Right, there is no sense that like he fe- he feels well. His humanity feels, is never developed. Yeah, he he feels fear and he feels anger, and he doesn't know why. And yeah. nobody's nurturing, like it, nobody's trying to integrate him into society. Yes, he's a monster because we don't recognize yeah. our humanity in him. Right, and that's part of what. And we is, also don't make any effort to integrate him into our yes, humanity, in which case, or into our culture. Yeah, our in society. which case, in which case, our reaction to him says more about us than it says about him. And right? that's at its base what Frankenstein's really about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more about us wait, than wait. it is about the monster. Wait. Is is man the monster? <gasps> oh, <my God. gasps> dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> that's, so, that's the other bullshit trope that runs yeah, through all. Yeah, of this. yeah. <laughs> so, um. But, oh, and it's here. Yeah. It's <laughs> but like he, I just think that one of the neat things about this idea of, because I mean, Frankenstein is the fucking creator, you know, like that's what the weird thing yeah. about this is, is that yeah. Frankenstein is the, is the, the doctor who's the main character of yeah, this film. Yeah. The Frankenstein's cre- not the actual monster. The yes. monster doesn't even have a name. Like right. that's how much we don't fucking give a shit about yeah, the him. Creature, He's just the, the monster, monster, the creature. Right. So. I mean, once again, when we when we look at this element and we focus on what I think is the more interesting character, which is Frankenstein. I mean, when I so I I read I read Frankenstein when I was in college, and you know, for for one of my classes, okay. I had what's one of those things you'd heard about but never read yourself, like most things in life, you know. And finally, you know, reading it, which is a, it's a quick, oh, it's a short book. It's not a quick read, but it's a short book. <laughs> um, and it suffers it, from that era where stuff's just not that. Fun to read. Jeez, and like the half, I mean, it's what, like, clucks in just under 180 pages. Fucking 100 of them must be descriptions of scenery. I mean, it's yeah. like romantic to the extreme. Which is, and <laughs> what, did, what did we talk about? You know, like I said, the scenery here, yeah. like, that's all a very important part. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of, as I was kind of like going back and reading sections of it, I was kind of impressed. Um, there's, this, there's this, like, visual sense when you're reading it about like these these mountains and these fucking like glaciers mm-hmm. that it, the movie ends up in and it's very and the, the book ends up in and it's fucking really neat I, an idea of like you know being chased through this kind of uh this harrowing kind of experience but one of the things that is very cool about this film uh, is this sense of like you know realizing or becoming oneself right i mean the the, the joke about being frankenstein when he finally fucking does this right when he finally creates this monster and she's like dr frankenstein you know what are we doing and he's like my name is frankenstein you know yes he fucking has come into himself and 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 realized this idea of purpose um there's a good joke about destiny going through this thing as well um but in a sense you know this this idea or compulsion to do this is part of the story as well right we we look at the creature as 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 and and put Frankenstein's name on the creature, right? Mm-hmm. Frankenstein Frank is the creature is the creature, but no, right? Like you but said, when you because when you see that creature, like in like now when you see him on things, you oh, it's a Frankenstein, yeah, Frankenstein. but it's not a Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. He's just the monster. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Frankenstein is the doctor that created him, and I think the film makes a very good very good decision to make it about about yeah. Gene Wilder's character as the star of this film as well. Um, it's. Like I said, I wanted to kind of get into these elements. I thought it would be a soft introduction to a genre we're all kind of like very tentative and wanting to engage with anyway. Well, and it, it absolutely is an introduction to those things. It has all of those tropes, but what it has, what what it is embodying doesn't represent what horror is today. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah. Like when we were giving you shit for this choice initially, at least part of it, in, in my case, was that this movie is not aesthetically what horror is anymore. Mm-hmm, I agree. It's completely devoid of this. And yet, well, what I think this, once again, why this film is so neat is in, 
the way that it captures, tries to capture, and I think captures to a very good degree, what horror films were based on, which is the idea of setting up a, a, a place for the, story to t- for the story to unfold and essentially kind of building the different ideas. I mean, believe it or not, this film has its own kind of comedic tension. Right. As you guys say, like it's it's almost overemphasized because A, we know the story already, but then B, Mel Brooks is gonna fucking drag this joke out a little bit longer for us as well. Yeah. It has these kinds of elements while not conveying terror, but instead trying to convey the 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 joke as well. But then I mean he he likes this stuff, right? He wants us to kind of hang around in this environment. And that's what's kind of strange and why I think it is sad and unfortunate that horror movies no longer kind of are are made in this way is that you kind you you don't want them to be there right a, a two and a half hour horror movie would be fucking exhausting oh, and God. terrible to sit through well, and, and there's no goddamn reason that should be the case well but uh, that's the that's the emergence of the youtube mm-hmm. 7 minute horror film is a direct response to that i, I they're very very popular and uh, the unfortunate thing is is that there is there is something to be said, right? We've kind of joked before that, you know, why people feel that this is the golden age of television because if you spend 30 hours with anything, you're going to fucking feel invested, right? That's like, the JRPG syndrome. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You, so, can't hate a fin- you can't hate the characters in a Final Fantasy game by the time you're done with them. You've been with them for 80 hours. You've yeah. been in the trenches. You've fucking suffered for them. Yes. <laughs> you don't have a... Ch- like, you, you get neurologically rewired to at least sort of... <laughs> Be yeah. okay with them. I love bland Asian women now. I don't know what it is. Yeah, like, like that's <laughs> they're it's rising weird. like the phoenix. This is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so but the problem is, is that I think to cultivate that sense of horror, right? To cultivate that sense of 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 the feel of a movie, you have to feel it, right? This can't be just a glancing touch or like you know, like brushing up against someone in the subway and falling in love with them. Like this, that, that doesn't happen, right? We need, right? We need that sense of romanticism, right? We need that sense that this is something we're going to be cultivated into and how that atmosphere can it changes around us right if we're, in order for us to feel terror right we need to be kind of ushered into a sense of nor- normalcy to a certain degree and then have that begin to fucking alter and change right and and shown in a way that realize that we realize that something is not right right that something is going to happen and that this has a certain possibility of I uh, for something to happen that I am not expecting and that I am going to want to continue to see this happen. And it is unfortunate that horror movies are so are so bad because they are not able to kind of cultivate this sensibility because in the end this so, these horror movies of the classic Hollywood era had more to do with good filmmaking than the current genre of horror has to do with current good filmmaking. I don't know if I could make that blanket of a statement. Um, why, didn't, I, why didn't we pick Dracula then? I like this I one. I don't watch vampire movies. Yeah, That's Nicole's. a firm policy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, 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 no I barely got fr- fucking young Frankenstein in. No time for it. Um, so you just like being scared. Okay, so I do. <laughs> I, I like it. I like... I mean, I like I like fucking, but I like it better when it's done well. You know, like don't get me wrong. Like I know that this like like I like these movies are are, are poorly done, but I am like you know you're you're wanting to find something that you can fall in love with, right? You're wanting to find something that is willing to do it in a way that is enjoyable and and worth your time. And I think once again, good horror movies are about seduction more than they would be anything else. Like, then why didn't you pick Wilco? Because that. 
scary. I, I know, I know, but and like it has Gene Wilder in I it know. too. Existential dread, absolutely. But this is, but like, Dude, he, he's offing kids in a weird candy thing with Oompa. Like that's a weird, creepy shit. Yeah, that was great. It's great. That movie terrified me as a small child. Absolutely, no. And so, Roald Dahl hates kids. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite child writer, and yeah, he hates kids. <laughs> so, I will attest to that. So this, so when we find good horror movies, right? When we find something that is. That 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 can build an atmosphere, build a world for us that w- invites us in, and then fucking has its way with us. Like that can be something that I find very enjoyable in film, and I do I do like to cultivate those extreme things as well. I mean, I've, I've got to kind of you know preview next, which is that our my next film I'm going to pick is going to be a war movie. Oh Jesus, we've, we've got three in a row. Yeah, no. So we've got like I've got like a war. We movie gotta make genre. it through. Okay, you're the one that started this horror. <laughs> dra- oh, this horror. This this month of horror. We yeah. gotta fucking ride this shit out. Oh no, first, I'm good. Man. No, I'm saying I'm my next pick because you guys got your two picks after this. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a war movie because I want to kind of talk about this idea of harrowingness that goes through our lives, and that'll be my next pick anyway. So, it's a Terrence Malick war movie, right? No, uh, yeah, I was actually gonna make. I was, you know, what I was originally gonna pick was going because I wanted to do a bad movie. Because we've yet to do like a really terrible movie. I was going to do the Green Berets with John Wayne, his pro Vietnam War movie from 1968. <laughs> that was going to be my war pick movie, Nicole. Okay, so this burns. <laughs> and on this whore note, next time we're here, we'll discuss an actual horror oh, movie. Oh, yeah, what are we doing next? Because I'm going to <laughs> oh, select. Are we done? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. so Young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks, 1974. Not a horror movie. Uh, an homage to a Excellent. horror movie, right, thank you. but yeah. it is a it's, comedy. It's, it's an homage it's to a, a bygone era. Yeah. There we go. Yes, Excellent. it is. Yes. It is. It's worth a watch. There's nothing more terrifying but than it, nostalgia. But it is funny and not horrifying, as Ryan has been trying to explain how terrifying, um, you know, he likes his movies. But so we're gonna see something that might make us scared, Nicole. Well, 1974, another little film came out, mm-hmm. little indie film yeah. called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh <clears> my goodness! And it is actually a very early instance of the slasher film, mm-hmm. um, and I would like to tackle that one. And that's, a, that's, gonna, that's gonna be a fun time. So this moves vertically, same year as Young Frankenstein, right. but this is kind of what the horror genre was doing during the seventies. Mm-hmm. Making it happen. Yes. Uh, so Young Frankenstein, just a round on that one star. Oh, I watch it every couple of years, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Nicole? I mean, I never choose to watch Young Frankenstein. Usually how it works is it is on somewhere. Sure. Like, I go to Ryan's house, and it's on. I go to the <laughs> parents' house, and someone's watching it on TCM. Mm-hmm. I come over for movie night, and it's on. Yep. <laughs> I have never, like, make it made, like, a, like an independent effort to watch this film, but I have seen it when it is on other places many and, times. And I believe if we check the tape, Joey's wording is, would watch again. Nice. Yeah, Excellent. Sure. Excellent. So, I, know, I, I liked him for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. So, all right. Well, that's, um, that is one in the books. So, okay, so everything that we talked about horror today, we can apply it to the next podcast. Um, because we'll actually cover some of those topics in relation to a movie. Yes, this, a, a horror, a necessary. So I mean, unfortunately, this probably would have been a better like com- like it would we probably would have been better off like talking about comedy and then picking this movie <laughs> because there's lots of good like comedy aspects. But unfortunately, um, you know, on the horror side, this is really just homage to a 
bygone era, as David as David said, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, tear inspiring. But hopefully it has the elements and why I chose it was because I think it does have these elements as well displayed. And I think that um, after having seen these movies, I think you're all or, or should be at least thankful that I didn't pick one of those early films and instead chose something. Those early that, films are in and out, though. They're yeah. quick, like 60 minutes and you're done. Yeah, but, this, but they're not funny. And that's the real issue there. I want to have a good time they with you guys. They actually aren't funny. They're a little, like, off-putting. Well, and they were from a time, too, like, especially the early Frankenstein, where there's, like, no music through the whole thing either. It's, yeah, like, I mean, really... Yeah, Karloff's st- is pretty creepy. And then when they're, like, offing kids, you're like, whoa! Yeah. I totally wasn't expecting that. This is kind of awkward. Now we're having fun. <laughs> so we're doing uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre next? Yes. Yep. Okay, excellent. Well, the Original I'm looking... 1974. <laughs> All right. Well, let's Leatherface leather this motherfucker. A little Leatherface. All right. Nicole, Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Good morning, everyone.